Hello, and welcome to podcast number 13, Lucky 13, and the topic today is coachable. So we've entitled this podcast, Class is in Session. I would like to be able to think that everyone is coachable. However, there are certain characteristics of athletes that I believe over time coaches are looking for. In uh, some sports, like hockey, in the old days, uh, yes, coaches were definitely looking for players who were big, um, aggressive, powerful individuals, uh, people that would go out there and kind of play this rock'em, sock'em style. Uh, And as we progressed in hockey, and it's changed so much for players and goalies, we see more coaches asking for certain qualities and they all fall under the umbrella of can I coach this individual and and I believe that um, coaching is a two-way street so it's not just the adult coach coaching you or you trying to understand your coach you're both incredible coaches first of all if you would look at yourself and Know that you are your own best coach. How many times do I say that to athletes? Second to that, though, it's all about communication between the athlete and coach and coach and athlete. So we're going to consider that human beings are coachable. Let's just be positive and say under various conditions, most people can be coached along, especially if it's something new. So at Inner Mind Sports, we have several different bumper stickers that we um, uh, like to discuss with people and one of those is that after 40 years I can tell you that it is glorious, glorious to coach an athlete who is open to learning and this means a person coming to practice that is like so excited to be there and it's like coach what are we gonna learn today Even if they improve one small thing, they're happy about that. So we have a lot to learn from how people coach, what style they use, and how coachable the athlete is. Uh, Making sure that the most important qualities are always there in your toolkit. So I'm sure you want to know what those qualities are. And the very first one is that you are dedicated. In other words, coachable. I can't coach anybody who's not going to arrive on time. Uh, I can't coach anybody who will never write down a single thing in a team meeting. It's, I, I just, I am shocked with athletes who sit in a chair Uh, Rock back in the chair, crossed arms, crossed legs, looking at the coach like that individual is just going to talk all night long without any engagement. So first of all, you have to be willing to be open to being coached and open to learning each time there's an interaction with that coaching plan and with your team. You know, coaches really favor athletes sometimes and I I know they try very much not to but can you imagine coaching 
19 guys on a bench and three really want to listen, really want to be there and are really easy to coach in some perspectives because they work so hard. So dedication is a given. And how many times have I gone and spoken with teams where the coach will call it uh, an intervention? Somebody will phone me up and say, we need Coach Lori. And I'm like, you need me to do what? Uh, we need you to talk to this team and get everybody on the same page. This team is negative. This team is losing. And how many times have that has that videotape rolled? I can't tell you. Thousands. My approach is always to address the team, are you coachable? Do you want to be coached? Can you learn something from your coaches? And, you know, there's a lot of eyebrows that go up when people go, well, certainly this athlete wants to be coached. But unless you ask the athlete, they'll say, well, yeah, I really like my coach, but they don't seem to know anything really about defense. And I'm like, okay, well, that's why when we get to the upper levels of sport, we have an offensive coach, a defensive coach, we have a goalie coach, we have a coach for the quarterback, we have all different types of coaches and a larger staff. If you're playing sports at a very young level, I can probably guarantee that there is one person that's coaching you and then you're getting a ton of advice from your parents or your grandparents or your guardian or whoever takes care of you. So you're going to get advice from everyone. But are you determined enough to use some of that information? And then maybe if there's some things that are just not useful to you, leave those alone and, and carry on. So I believe that strongly that there needs to be evidence in sport that you are coachable. Okay, you, you cannot just participate halfway, in my opinion. And I don't, I don't care if this is a recreational or leisure level or whether or not you're, um, you know, a black belt or whether you're an Olympian with chunks of gold around your neck. To be coachable is to be dedicated enough to be there, determined to improve, and very simply to pay attention to what got done that day. Now, there's a lot of individuals that would like to blame the coach for a lousy practice. But really, you are the instigator of that, that uh, practice time. Did you get out onto that playing surface and you were already uh, running, kicking your heels, you know, warming up on the soccer field? Were you already hitting like 30, 40, 50 balls on the tennis court? Did you show up early and spend 20 minutes putting? So here's a little story for you. Uh, I was talking to a AAA team and they were really convinced that they were coachable. But until I put them under some adverse conditions and asked them, what would you do if this happened? You, things started to go off the rails. In other words, they really didn't want to listen to anybody. So you probably guessed it. One of the most adverse situations is that they were getting pounded on. Pounded. 
So they were losing something like 10 to 1. They had one on the scoreboard, the other team had 10. And what do you do when you get to that stage? And a lot of athletes will say to me, my, te my team gave up, my team gave up. Uh, a lot of people will say, well, it was hopeless, but we tried to play our best to the end, but you could see that people were really discouraged. Um, then you got people that'll say, wow, the coach flipped out and ragged us all out in the second period or the second half in soccer and they were not pleased. They thought maybe by yelling at us that this would turn things around um, and it didn't. So we have to say, am I coachable under the worst situations? Do I stop listening to my coach because we're losing? Do I stop participating with my shoulders shrugged forward and a terrible look on my face because the coach didn't play me? So how coachable are you? That's what I want you to ask yourself today. And especially if you're at the college or university level or you have a ranking level, how patient are you to decide that you are going to really put forth your best effort. Coaching means listening. And there's going to be some coaches that are going to talk and talk. Now, Coach Lori admits that I talk a lot. But just as I seem to be talking a lot on a podcast, I have a different communication for my athlete one-on-one. -on -one. I ask them a ton of open questions and get them to fill in the blanks. I have a lot of people who will say to me, I really like your coaching because you never sound like you're telling me what to do. You give me choices. And I think that if you are a person who responds to choices, you will respond to coaching. But as soon as a coach says, hey, multiple choice, A, B, and C, you need to have an answer. And that answer is very, very significant because you made a decision. So first of all, we're dedicated. Then we're determined. And then we listen well. And we also solve for ourselves or solve when a coach asks us a question. We're not intimidated by that individual to come up with an answer. How many of you, when you were a really young athlete, wow, you couldn't get out a word when the coach was looking at you, thought, oh, I'm in trouble, or what does the coach think of me, or this coach is really awesome and amazing, and what could I possibly have to offer? So you just sort of stood there dumbfounded, and your coach wondered whether or not you had an opinion. So to be coachable, once again, is to mark time with your level improvement. The onus is never on the coach for you to improve. The onus is on you. So as I said, um, here I am with this AAA group of guys and they all think they're coachable until we get down to adverse situations. And they're losing badly, they're not coping well. So can we take the scoreboard away? 
can we rip the scoreboard out of the human brain? And, and probably, yeah, anatomically, if I took your brain, which is three pounds, three ounces out of the skull, it would never do the mathematics on the board, but it would want to light up when it sees somebody trying their very best. It would want to know that you looked the coach in the face when they are talking to you. How many of you think you're coachable and yet you don't even make eye contact? Three quarters of the time you're having a sidebar conversation with somebody else. And these are all super disrespectful behaviors as well as you're going to miss the key points of what the person was talking about. So to be coachable, you have to put an effort into A, making decisions, but B, making sure that there is the head nod, the eye contact, and that you get it. And when you don't get what they're saying, instead of interrupting them, yeah, you might have to do the preschool thing and just kind of give them a little flag or a nod or, hey, coach, I want to mention something. But don't interrupt their flow of conversation until they're done. Then they'll look at you and say, you know, hey, John, hey, Josie, looked like you had a question there when I was talking about protocol and behavior in the locker room. So to be coachable is about your reputation. <laughs> Woo, there's a big one. Okay, so if you are coachable, you will have a stellar reputation in sports that coaches will want you on their roster. I have had coaches phone me up and say, I'm not choosing this guy because he's a wild card, or I'm not choosing her because I heard from her last coach, she is miserable and the worst person to coach possibly, even though she is highly talented. So my phone rings when Coach Johnson asks me, should I take this person? And I'm like, well, what are you looking for? I'm looking for somebody that I can coach. Are they coachable? So I always say to them, well, under certain conditions they are, but when you put them under adverse situations, it may not be as clear. So I talked to an athlete today, and I asked him the three reasons why he trusts his coach and the three reasons why the coach trusts him. And they were unbelievable answers. They were amazing. So let's finish today on this podcast with a little bit about um, an athlete that thought they were coachable. So in this case, it's a fiery redhead uh, tennis player. She was going through coaches as if they were disposable. People didn't understand her. They didn't understand how she prepared. They didn't understand why she lost her temper so much. They didn't know if she really even loved her sport. But it came to a head one day when she was in an amateur tournament. I was fairly new to her as a mental trainer. And without her knowledge, but her mom's permission, I showed up as the new trainer to watch her on the court. Now, my hair's red. So for those who haven't met me, I'm a redhead, and this is another redhead on the court. Now, it doesn't mean that redheads have a stereotype that we are hot-headed people. 
we are not carrot tops, we're not gingers, we're not any of that, all those terrible uh, nicknames we get. So redhead had nothing to do with it, but tennis player had something to do with it. Certainly a lot of skill, but emotionally immature. Having to tisk, throw the racket, toss the towel, just bratty behavior. So I'm thinking, how will I possibly mentally train this person? Who at the time I think was around 16 or 17. And I thought, you know, her brain has had a lot of experience. So um, I thought to myself, well, she was on a warm-up court that I would stand behind the court and she has only seen my picture. She's never met me in person. And I see her kind of glancing over her shoulder and she takes in that I'm kind of there side court and she doesn't say anything. And she starts smashing the tennis ball, smashing the tennis ball, smashing the tennis ball in her warm up. And I just simply uh, yell out, is that how you play? which obviously got her attention. And as she turned around, she just looked me in the eye and said, yeah, what's it to ya? And I said, well, it's a lot to me because I am Coach Lori Pulliam. I am your new mental trainer. Well, there was a little bit of hesitation on her part to even step forward. She kind of was glued to the court and couldn't move. She looked a little stunned. And then she slowly walked over and said, you know, her name and hello. And I said, I didn't mean to take you off your guard, but you're so intense in this warm-up that I can't help but think that you're going to use all of your emotional energy on the ball and then you're going to get to court and you're probably going to play flat. She looked at me and she said, are you serious? And I said, yeah, uh, you better get used to the fact that I'm going to tell it like it is. And if you don't like it, you and your parents can fire me on the get go. I don't really care, but I'm excellent at my job. And so if you want to conserve energy, Let's do some stretching of your hamstring because you are super tall. Let's take some deep breaths in and you tell me what your game plan is. I would love to hear what you're going to do on court number three in the next 45 minutes. So why or why or why are you out here? <laughs> she goes, can I get my water bottle? Like fairly sassy. And I said, sure. Okay, I'll be right out. Grabs her racket and her bag and her, you know, water bottle and out she comes. Shoulders slightly rounded and I can see that I'm going to have a sassy, not classy individual. The happy news of this is by the time we finished her game plan of what she was going to do, I said, you know what, this is kind of an interview. And she said, an interview, like a job? I said, yeah. Because I'm going to watch this single game and you against your opponent this afternoon. And whatever you do and whatever you show me will be the skill level that I understand that you have learned in the last 10 years. 
Otherwise, quite frankly, mademoiselle, I have no idea why you're playing this sport after 10 years. At the age of six, picking up a tennis racket, you obviously loved it. Answer one question before you play this match. Do you still love it? I didn't expect what I was going to get. And this bully of an individual, that's the only way sort of, I don't want to label her, but her bully attitude faded away, thank goodness, to a few tears or moisture at least around her eyes. And she said, yeah, I used to love it. But all I want to do now is win. Because everybody says that I'm not good enough anymore, that I'm burnt out. And I said, well, are you? Are you burnt out? She goes, I don't think I am. I said, well, you have one match to show me what you can do. And if you think I'm good at my job, I will never depart from you or leave you as an athlete ever. I will stick with you for the rest of your career, providing that you're coachable and that you're humble and you get your butt on that court. And I didn't say butt. I said, get your rear end on that court and stop thinking about the win and start thinking about how much you love this and how much you can control the court. So how you play today is a test whether or not I stay with you in terms of mental training. Now, I don't think I've ever had that approach. Of course, I always give my athletes a chance to warm up to mental training. It's serious work. Mental training is harder than physical training, so you can tell me how much weight you push and what your cardio is and your MVO2 max and how flexible you are, but nothing, nothing, nothing will stretch you more than mental work. So this young lady, I am super pleased to say that this long-legged, <laughs> red-headed tennis player got on the court and played a beautiful smooth, well-paced, consistent game. And after she won the first set, um, she gave me just a head nod, like no conversation. In other words, I just owned you up. Uh, set number two was a win. It was a squeaker, but she uh, changed out rackets, which I thought was interesting. So in other words, she wanted to show me that Whatever racket I have in the arsenal of rackets, as long as it's in my hand, I'm going to win. Um, which was very uh, wonderful to see her level of confidence. And then, of course, uh, set number three match and uh, win was because she believed in herself suddenly. And she knew that I was not going to be a person to be pushed around as well as that I was older and senior to her coaches, that she knew that I was at a master's prepared level and that tennis had been one of my own loves growing up as a young athlete. So we were on par. I'm super happy to tell you that she's gone on and grown up and done wonderful things and finished a degree and has traveled the world and still always takes her tennis racket everywhere. So. It gives us hope that no matter how tough you are on yourself or how many coaches that you've had, there will be at some t time in your sports 
a great coach coming your way that wants to coach an athlete. So ask yourself on the way to the gym, ask yourself on the way to practice today, or maybe it's game day, am I coachable? And please send me an email and let me know you are. Uh, that's at innermindsports at gmail.com. This is Coach Lori signing off. And wow, lucky 13, be coachable today because class is in session.